glorious. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulkster, whatever they call you, I'm coming after you, you coward. Welcome to Broken But Glorious. I'm Chris Lapp and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the owner of Chaos Wrestling, Dave Mercy. How are you doing this evening, Dave? I'm very good, thanks for having me. Oh, well, thank you for joining us this evening. So, um, Dave has joined us to discuss the upcoming show, Coalition of Chaos, uh, which is held on the 28th of October at the Hannam Community Centre in Bristol. So, um, so before we discuss the show, um, I just want to go for you, through how you got into wrestling and a bit of history about the promotion. So, um, firstly... Um, how long have you been a wrestling fan? Uh, I started getting into wrestling back in junior school, so I'm going to show my age because I'm 35 now. <laughs> so this would have been back um, towards the tail end of, sort of Hogan and Warrior, I think. So I always remember my friends having those little wrestling buddies, um, those sort of little two-foot two foot, um, plush toy things. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't have Sky at the time, so I'd normally get the uh, sort of big pay-per-views on uh, VHS from my local video rental shop back when that was a thing. So... Uh, I think the first pay-per-view I ever watched was probably WrestleMania 6, which was probably a couple of years old by the time I watched it. Yeah. Um, and then, unfortunately, then it didn't become quite as cool, but then I got Sky and I started getting hooked on it. So it was around, uh, what, 92, 93, when Brett became champion. That's where I really got hooked into it. So Late 92, when you beat Flair, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, technically, me my, my first sort of live WrestleMania would have been... Um, WrestleMania 9, which I guess on reflection I probably shouldn't have stuck with it, considering that's probably <laughs> one of the worst ones on reflection. But uh, at the time, I thought it was fantastic, and it, it dragged me in from from the moment go. Like it wasn't just about the wrestling; it was the whole storyline aspect of it, the characters, and yeah, when just just that seeing that first moment of seeing Brett, somebody knew who was a bit of an underdog, and then the fact that he became champion on a show nobody'd seen. I just remember watching Superstars one night when it was about 10 o'clock and I was up and watching it when I shouldn't have been being very quiet so my dad didn't find out mm. and then seeing Brett come out as champion screaming getting in trouble getting sent to bed so <laughs> um, that, that's probably my earliest sort of memories of, of, of me liking wrestling and there was always like a small little elite group when it wasn't quite so cool but we always used to uh, to stick with it and yeah so become a, a passion and obsession ever since yeah, the 93 and 94 is my girlfriend's favourite period of wrestling, so we've watched that on the network so many times. Wrestle the ring at 8 to 10, probably. Just, I've yeah. never heard anyone say that's their favourite. Wow, okay, that, that period's probably down to sort of the rebuilding period. So credit <laughs> to her, that's, that's impressive. I wouldn't say it's her favourite, it's a bit what she watched when she was little and then she didn't watch it until our son got into it, probably up to five yeah. years ago. <laughs> but, yeah, WrestleMania, yeah, she loves WrestleMania 9. So I don't so, uh, I, I like it for nostalgic reasons, but probably not for critical acclaim. No. <laughs> right, so, who was your favourite wrestler growing up? Um, I think um, I really liked Brett when I was first getting into it. Mm. Um, but I'd say the wrestler that uh, um, when I sort of reached my teenage years, I, I related to the most was Mick Foley. Yeah. Um, because for me, he was that every man. He was the. Uh, he was. Well, I always found it really difficult to relate to certain wrestlers in terms of a. I thought I could be them kind of thing. Um, but when I look at someone like Foley, who is probably himself isn't exactly the most athletic person in the world, but was still able to find a role in wrestling, 
um, with his body type and the fact that he he was able to capture your imagination through so many different ways in his performances, which I could connect to on on, on a level which I couldn't do or couldn't feel like I could do with a lot of the other guys. No. Um, being being a uh, relatively plump man myself, I uh, sort of uh, related to him in, in terms of that. So yeah, I'd say I'd say Mick Foley's the the guy that I probably related to the most. So what prompted you to don the tights and get in the ring then, from being a fan? Um, it was a case where, you know, by, by the time you get to sort of 18, 19, um, and you're still part of that really small elite group of people that are friends that, that are watching wrestling, <laughs> and it's always one of those things I wanted to do, and even say back then, which would have been the, like the late 90s, it was really difficult to... Uh, get involved with anything but um, I actually found out through a friend of a friend that there was a school that was running actually in, in my town in Yate outside of Bristol and it was basically just a crash mats on the floor uh, kind of scenario unfortunately the schools back then are nowhere near the, the level that they are now but um, mm. it was something that I, I, I was always a show off when I was in school anyway I was always um, uh, like any sort of talent shows or karaoke anything like that I, I loved doing that and I think before I even started wrestling, I sort of learned that I love to pop a crowd. So I always have that kind of, before, I'm more, more performance-led than athletically-led um, in terms of my, sort of, my, the, the, the way I approach wrestling. Uh, and I think that's to do with sort of my personality when I was growing up. I, I loved being in front of an audience. So as soon as I found out there was a school that was near me that, that was doing it, I, I was there the next week and I stuck with it for a couple of years before I managed to get my first couple of matches in. That's it. That's it. So was the wrestler you wanted to mould your style around? Or? Uh, it was basically Mick Foley, which, you know, in reflections why I've, you know, I stopped wrestling a couple of years ago because my knees and back are shot. Because <laughs> um, I was, uh, and this is the advice I'll always give to people not to do, but I was always taking the silly bumps. So yeah. um, I'd always be taking apron bumps. I would I would try to do things exactly the way Mick would do it. You, you would take ridiculous bumps so people would remember you for that rather than necessarily... Um, having the best technical match of the night because I knew I wasn't as good as some of the the better wrestlers on the card, but I knew that I was willing to do silly things like uh, throw myself off ladders or, or or taking silly headshots that, that a reflection were kind of a you know what wasn't wasn't my uh, my finest hour. But yeah. um, those are the kind of things that I was trying to do because I saw that's how Mick got over, um, and that that's kind of the approach that I, I tried to take to it. Do you cringe when you see headshots these days? Oh god, absolutely! And um, I, I still do some work helping out with the Dragon Pro Wrestling Academy, and I'm always telling them that don't um, do do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, especially now seeing that head like tight head drops or, or, or especially unprotected headshots. Now it's um, yeah, it was a different time in the nineties, late nineties, when sort of ECW and the WWE were both. Um, allowing those sort of things to happen and, and, and rightfully they, they won't allow it now um, you know I still I, you know my memory's nowhere near as good as it used to be um, I'm not sure if it is because of that but, or if it's because of getting older but it's it's not worth those sort of risks there's there's different ways you can entertain now without without putting your, your brain at risk hmm. so where did the name Dave Mercy come from? Uh, complete lack of uh, <laughs> any sort of originality uh, <laughs> uh, I it's, it's come up before and I speak to people. It's not the most imaginative name. Um, it's one of my trainers, uh, Gideon, came up with it. Uh, to be perfectly frank, back then, and I think a lot of people do this when they first start wrestling, they don't think about characters. No. They just they just think about, I want to go out and wrestle. Um, 
and the characters tend to form after that. So I just needed a name for my debut, and Gideon just said, what about, well, your first name's Dave anyway, what about Mercy? And I was like, I have nothing else, sure, why not, let's go with that. Um, if I could go through that again, I wish I'd given my name more thought, because yeah. your name is very important, but um, by the time I sort of came to the realisation it was a bit naff, I was kind of stuck with it. So uh, I kind of just ran with it for my career. Can you tell us about some of the gimmicks you've worked as over the years? Or? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I've done, um, I've worked as Crispin Buffley. So Crispin <laughs> Buffley was yeah. an ironic fitness, fitness instructor uh, that I did for 4FW. Yeah. Um, so uh, what's the best way to try to explain it? It was, it was definitely comedy uh, style wrestling. Okay. Um, it was like Simon it Dean was, type thing, wasn't it? Kind of, kind of Simon Dean, but imagine sort of Simon Dean with Dusty Rhodes' body. So that's kind of, you know, that's why I say sort of like ironic fitness instructor. So a bit um, like so a bull, bull fit from last year. Bull fit, yeah, yeah. Imagine sort of bull fit meets Simon Dean. That's kind of where where the, where I was yeah. <laughs> with, with that. Um, uh, another one I did. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on the show. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, okay so I, I, uh, when I went for Triple X, I had a character called the Sleazy Bastard, Dave Mercy, um, <laughs> and that was basically for all. Base, I was basically a, the character was a sex pest to be perfectly frank um, mm. but that was against sort of uh, um, any of my opponents that I was in there with um, so I, I do um, I'd stuff my crotch with about 10 pairs of socks yeah. I'd <laughs> shave an arrow into my chest hair down Ooh. to my crotch um, I'd end up trying to do a strip tease for the audience so it basically sort of Joey Ryan on speed is probably the best way to think <laughs> of it um um, so I did that towards the tail end of my career, and I think that's probably the time when I sort of realised that getting over in wrestling, if if you're really athletically gifted and you're brilliant in wrestling, that's fine. I wasn't, but I was able to use those characters and able to actually probably get more reactions without doing the silly bumps if mm. I really thought about what can generate a uh, crowd reaction, um, use those characters, than, than going out and, and, and risking my body towards the end. So do you prefer to work face or heel? I always prefer face, yeah. um, and the reason for that is I, I think it's, I don't want to say it's easier, but I think it, it's, it's easier to be hated than it is to be loved. Yeah. So I think it, it's it's not, you, you can do something very dastardly very quickly in a, in a match and to really establish that you're a hill. I think you have to put in a lot of effort, not just in that one match, but in your character to try to get emotional responses from, from an audience that, that, that make, that actually want to see you succeed. Um especially in today's age, because I think trying to be a face nowadays is a lot harder than it used to be. Um, I think I remember seeing something on a Secrets of the Ring uh, DVD that Raven did ages ago saying, like, you either want to be loved or hated, you don't want to be liked or disliked. And yeah. I think to be a really good face um, is can be a lot harder than being a good good heel. Um, and that's a lot of that is, is understanding that you don't have to do loads of stuff when you're a face. At least I don't think you, personally, I don't think you do. I think it's it's about getting a connection with the audience to make them want to see you succeed and make you want to see, see that comeback. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm not from a, a super uh, not to say it's in, the, in the derogatory way, but I'm not. I, I was never I never considered myself to be an indie wrestler. That wasn't my style. I couldn't do an indie wrestling style. I was more based on a. I always try to drive more story for my matches, um, and I found doing that as a face, I could. Um, take a lot more time with what I was doing and try to get the crowd into it and tell a story through that way rather than try to do move, 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 move because that's not my style. That's what I knew I couldn't do. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, perfect sense. <laughs> and, then you, <laughs> and then you decided to start a promotion. How did that come about? 
Um, so uh, the two guys that train me, uh, so Gideon and Jekyll, also known as Nick and Rob, who are my business partners, um, yeah. we were out on a, uh, it's actually Rob's 30th birthday, and um, we just drunkenly agreed to it. Um, but <laughs> it, was a long, it was a long time coming before that, because yeah. um, they're guys that I would travel in cars with most weekends after shows, and most guys when they're in cars will dissect the show that they were just on and talk about what they thought worked, what they thought didn't work, um, what they would have done if they were in charge, how they thought things could have been different. And it kind of got to a point when we were in the same car having the same conversations for what felt like a decade. And it was kind of that case where um, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So it's yeah. that if we don't at least try to put our, our money where our mouth is and actually try to do something and try to promote and, and, and put a product that, that, that we're saying that we would do, we, you know, we, we're, not, we're not really... Um, doing ourselves justice and so that's basically how it came about I think it was in January or uh, late January early February of um, 2013 and then our first show Pro Wrestling Chaos was in uh, June 2013 wow that was quite quickly turnaround yeah I I think we were quite fortunate because we'd been we'd worked quite closely with a few promoters Mm. so we worked for a lot of the, uh, the promotions, so the main promotion we wrestled for was the Combat Sports Federation, uh, CSF, based in uh, in Wiltshire, and we've done so much work with them, not just in terms of wrestling for them, but we helped promote the shows that were local to us as well, so we've done a bit of it. We haven't done the full end-to-end piece of being a promoter, but we we seen bits and bobs, and we, we felt at the time that we knew enough to be a promoter. I mean, knowing what we know now, we probably didn't, but, you know, here we are. So, um, but the... The, the first show itself did, did quite well um, for, what it, for what it was. We, we didn't know if we were going to have a promotion or if it was just going to be a one-off show or, or you know, if, if I wasn't expecting that, you know, four and a half years later I'd be doing sort of podcasts and interviews yeah. talking about <laughs> talking about this, this, this silly company that, that we came up with on a drunken night out a few years ago. And so one of our forum members, um, Dr. Gregory House, has sent in a question. Yeah, he says, um, what makes your promotion different to other UK companies that have opened so, in the indie boom okay so I, I think um, the thing that we always try to do with our, we're all inclusive with our shows yeah. so um, we often get tagged with the fact that we're family friendly we don't feel that we are it's almost uh, we cater we all cater to any age group the only, the only two things we don't do is swearing in blood mm-hmm. so we <clears> always <throat> say to any, any family that ever comes to us can I, can I bring kids to the show we say absolutely you can if your kids watch as raw, they'll be fine with it. But the one thing that we try to do is cater to a more mature audience in terms of the storylines and the actual in-ring action that we're trying to put on. Even mm. though I personally am not an indie guy, because I can't do that, we still have stuff that's going to be more suitable for a more uh, mature adult audience. I think um, people have often referred to us before as sort of progress you can take your kids to or something along those lines. And it's not like we're trying to be progress because there's only one progress and they're always the guys that get mentioned whenever you talk about British wrestling. But... Mm-hmm. It's a case where we're not family friendly, we're just not family unfriendly. Um, and in terms of what else makes us different, we're not we're not trying to be a travelling company. We're we're very passionate about staying in Bristol. Um, we don't want to try to spread out too far because we feel that there's more than enough wrestling promotions in the UK. Yeah, there's there's I think there's a stat like there's more wrestling companies per square meter per square mile here than there are anywhere else in the world. And we know Bristol. Uh, we know it really well. We invite anybody that ever wants to come check us out to come find us. The travel links are really good here. But in terms of what makes us different, I'd say it's probably that the fact that 
you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a parent myself. I, love, I want to put on a product that I can sit down and watch with my kids. But at the same time, I'm an adult wrestling fan, and I want something that's not going to insult my intelligence. And that, that's the sort of the, the line we're trying to draw with, with, with what we do with Pro Wrestling Chaos. He also asks if Luke Gallows is an unofficial director of your company, but that's only a reference you'll get if you're a TNA fan from 2012. Uh, it's a bit niche for my liking, I'm afraid. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, in, in, in TNA in 2012, he was called the director of Chaos. Oh, God, oh the Ace of the thing? Yeah. <laughs> so, ah, yes. It's I can either confirm or deny if Luke Gallows is not. So, could you tell us a bit more about your the first show and some of your memories of it? Yeah, so, I mean, the first show, we, we were really lucky because we had a lot of favours we could call in for our first show um, because we had made a lot of friends in terms of what we'd done with, by being sharing locker rooms with a lot of people. So, we had then still had a very good relationship with the Dragon Pro Wrestling Academy who were based in Newport, now moved to Cardiff, run by Mike Hitchman now. Um, they, Mike Bird, who was running the school at the time, um, sorted a ring out for us, sorted out music, sorted out an entranceway for us. Um, he wrestled for us as well um, uh, and basically uh, helped us more than anyone else helped put on that first show. Um, we called in, I think pretty much everyone that we booked that first show, we, we either knew um, or knew of through friends of a friend, so we made sure that we put on, first of all, a cost-effective show, because yeah. the, 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 before anything else, this is, still needs to be a business, so we've got break-even points that we made sure that we needed to pass before we would put on a card. Um, it was a five-match card. I think the very first match we put on was uh, a very different-looking kid like us, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who may or may not be the same kid like us that there is now, as he's, he's grown ever so slightly. Um, Oh gosh, now I need to. Oh, versus Damien Dunn. That was the very first uh, oh, yeah. match that we had in Pro Wrestling Chaos. So it was Kid Like Us versus Damien Dunn. Um, was, he, was he no fun back then? He, he, uh, he, 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 he wasn't no fun, Damien Dunn, but he certainly wasn't embracing fun either. Um, he, um, so, uh, yeah, who was? So I wrestled Mike Bird that night. Probably one of my favourite matches I had. Um, it's one of those very unique matches, well, because I was running around for Blue Ass Fly, so I didn't really have enough time to even speak with him mm. and Mike is somebody that we knew was underrated for a very long time and dragged me through my nose throughout that match basically <laughs> made me look a lot better than I was um, oh, I'm trying to remember the rest of the card and I'm probably going to fail um, but I can say like the that we nearly sold out that night it was a really small venue it was a community centre in Yate near Bristol where I live um, it held about 180 people we were about 15 shy of a sellout that night which we were really happy with yeah um it's, it's on our demand channel if anybody ever wants to check it out and really like single camera angled shows uh, because that's all we had at the time mm-hmm. but um, it's a show that's still very close to my heart and even though if I watch it back now I'll probably cringe with the production values that we've got uh, compared to what we've got now um, but yeah it was a it was a very special night and one that I'm certainly glad we did because it made us kick on and, and carry on doing shows after so As a promoter do you find it difficult to let go of control once the show Starts. To take control. Control the show, basically. Because once the show starts, you have your reputation is in the hands of the wrestlers. Uh, if it. anything, that's my favourite part. Of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I know my job's done. Yeah. Um, I know there's only so much I can control up until seven o'clock when that first bell goes. Um, I know that everyone that we booked and put on a card 
is infinitely better than I'll ever be yeah. <laughs> um, and will always be able to do a job better than me. So as much of a control freak I am with certain aspects of it, I'm generally at ease with the guys when they go out and do their job because most of the guys that we work with, we've either worked with before or, 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 or get, come in based on um, on good reputation. Um, it's incredibly rare that we've ever had any sort of situation when we've not been happy with a performance or, or anything that's happened within a match. Um, and generally speaking, if that ever were to happen, it's, it's incredibly minor and something that I don't think anybody else would really notice. It's just because we sometimes know what it is that we expect from a match and it doesn't sometimes go that way. But that's the nature of, bit of wrestling, I think. Because the three of us that run it have been wrestlers and, and are wrestlers um, for a number of years before we started the show, we recognise that, that life could go to plan. Um, and sometimes you have to react to certain situations and that's fine. That's that's um, that's the beauty of wrestling. I, I, you know, As you probably know, anyone that's, that's not involved in wrestling and just thinks everything's scripted and I'm kind of prefer the fact that sometimes we have to do things slightly differently and yeah. from my perspective as being a promoter that's fine by me I, I, I will sit down and just and, and, and enjoy the show when I'm watching on the monitor backstage and just try to pretend that I or remind myself that first and foremost I'm a fan of wrestling and and just and just let, let the story flow out in front of me um, so yeah I feel like I've rambled a bit with that question <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but hopefully I've answered it uh, so do your st- shows have a running story that goes from show to show or do you try and contain the stories within the same show no we're, we're, we are we're, we are fully fully um, fully on board with uh, doing story arcs in terms of we, we always try to come up with reasons for people to come back yeah um, and I think the, the reason for that is that wrestling fans are especially from someone myself you go through cycles where you got into wrestling normally when you're a kid and you don't appreciate what a five-star match is. You get involved in wrestling when you're a kid because you really like the characters mm-hmm. or you really like the stories that you're being presented with. The more you watch it, the more critic you become, the more you're looking at the actual matches themselves. And then what you tend to find is when you start wrestling, you try to have those critical matches. We've tried to go back to the story bit. Yeah. In terms of the, we know what we're doing with certain characters at the minute at the tail end of next year. Um, because... We know that, that we really enjoy stories in terms of wrestling. We know that that's what got us involved and that's what we try to do to drag other people back into it. I mean, an example of that would be, um, this going to be quite self-indulgent because I'm talking about myself, um, yeah. but when I when I finished up wrestling and I had my last match with Pro Wrestling Chaos, it was a, with a feud with Flash Morgan Webster. And we planned that out um, to last over six months and we didn't have a single match uh, across that time period. Wow apart from my last match and by the time we got to that point we built up um, we built enough heat in that in that rivalry um, so we did like a it was it was effectively like a loser leaves town match um, which I obviously lost as, as Flashmore Webster still wrestling <laughs> uh, um, uh, although not for us now because he's recently lost to lose the least chaos match as well now I say it but um, we, we built um we managed to, to, to build that story to such a fever pitch that, that there were grown men and women crying at the end of the night oh, um, wow. because um, uh, the intricacies, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice by talking about it, but we made sure that there was enough heat on somebody like Flash Morgan Webster so so the audience you know, what, wanted to see him lose. And the fact, that, the fact that he then managed to beat you and get my spot in the company helped make him, but then all the emotion that we got then after he left the ring and I was there, it, it was... It's something you can't manufacture. It's something that you really have to work out and build out and be prepared to take time with a story for it to, to really come through. Um, and that's not me saying that I've got any issue with uh, 
any other company that that say just do a, a super a supercar show or anything like that, there's a place for that as well. Mm. Um, it's just that we choose to do things differently because we know um, we know now every day we got for every show from now till the end of next year. So we've got that opportunity to be able to weave those stories in and out. So we know we say at least half our roster what we're going to do with them. Um, and we're approaching this as a wrestling fans like, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this with this, which is different? Um, so yeah, uh, we, we we love stories. To be perfectly honest, Sto- the story is key. The rest of the wrestling because we're getting guys that we know and trust that, that can have great matches no matter what you do with them. If we can build a story that makes those matches mean even more, that that's the sweet spot for us. Yeah, so we've had another um, question sent in. So Fernando asks um, if he could make a dream three match chaos card with one women's match, one tag match, and one main event. What would you choose? Ooh, okay, are we talking? What, what sort of limits have I got here? He says uh, any. Talking? He says anyone is eligible, but you can just make it British independence if you want. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> mm, what do, I do? Okay. Um, no matter what I say, I'm going to annoy people if I don't mention them. Yeah. Um, so let's just get that out of the way now. Sorry. To anyone <laughs> um, okay. So I'd say. From a fairly self-indulgent point of view, because the British wrestling match that got me involved in British wrestling, uh, going back to 1999, was a match between Johnny Storm and Jody Fleisch, which I'm yep. sure most people know about, uh, or at least have seen, because it's a hell of a match. I'd probably put them as a tag team against Project Lucha, oh, uh, yeah. who have been um, with us for a very long time, and um, they've, they've done a hell of a job for us. They are our current Knights of Chaos champions, so... I'd probably put, yeah, Project Nutri against uh, Johnny and Jody as a tag match. Yeah. Uh, women's match, women's match, women's match. Ooh, ooh. I don't know, so we've got you know, Cheap Plug or Coalition of Chaos is our first ever women's tournament to mm-hmm. crown our first ever Maiden of Chaos. Um, who would I want to see, though? Who would I want to see? Mm. I'm going to come back to that. I'm trying to think. Right, main <laughs> event. Let's go main event. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's a match that hasn't happened in Chaos and may not happen now um, because Webster's left. But we've never done Mike Bird versus Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah, oh, cool. And they are, or well, they were, um, two of the staples that we've we've had within the company. Mike Bird was our first ever King of Chaos champion. Um, Flash Morgan Webster held that title as well. Um, They've been involved in multi-man matches, but there's a lot of history between them, not just in our company, but outside of it. And I know it would be a hell of a match, and not one that, that I think I've seen, especially one I've not seen in Chaos. And I'm, good, I'm bound to pick some of my guys for the main, so that's probably what I do for that. Uh, women's match, right. Sierra Loxton. Yeah. Just because she's somebody that we have used a lot in terms of our in terms of our women's division. So um, she's come through the Dragon Pro Wrestling Academy, Um Hell of a worker um, is is going to be a big deal in the UK. Um, you know, I'm going to say her versus. You know, only because I know she really wants the match to happen. It's going to be her versus someone like Viper. Viper, yeah, yeah, um, which may happen uh, depending on how the brackets go uh, on the 20th of October. But even if it doesn't, that's certainly a match now that I'm thinking I'd like to book. So one way or another, I might see if I could. That one's more realistic. I'm going to make that one happen. So yeah, I've tried to keep it more British. Tried to keep it in the realms of possibility. Because realistically, I'm not going to be able to book Mick Foley. So that's kind of what I'll do with that. Yeah, you can have him as guest commissioner for the night or something. Oh, I'll tell you what I'll do with that tag match. I'll chuck the Young Bucks in. And the reason I'm going to chuck the Young Bucks, I'm going to make it a three-way tag. I'm going to yeah. cheat. 
uh, because we had the Unbooks booked for a show last April, and unfortunately their New Japan dates moved, so they couldn't make the date. So I've always felt really bad that we haven't been able to make good on that promise. So Dreamcard, let's get the Bucks back. So we'll do Bucks versus Johnny and Jody versus Project Lucha. There, that's my time match. match. <laughs> it's my card I can cheat, so that's what I'm going to do. Right, so we'll, we'll discuss um, Coalition of Chaos now. So it's such a big sure. event that you've had to split the shows into two. Um, yep. you've, you've got the eight-woman tournament, um, which features um, Viper and uh, Aisha Raymond from the May Long Classic. Yep. Um, yep. Plus, plus you have Pete Dorn and Keith Lee on the show. So, yes. so should, what's going to be the card for the first show, which starts at two o'clock or half two? Yes, yeah. so uh, this is where I'm showing how professional I am. I don't have this written down in front of me, so let's commit it to memory and see if I can remember it all. So... Our Coalition of Chaos uh, match, or, or the, the actual day show, is going to be the quarterfinals and semifinals um, of the tournament, with the finals happening in the evening show. Yeah. Um, so we have got, let's see, I might have this on my notes, so I'm going to pass for time at this point, so please hold the line caller, because I know this is incredibly professional of me, but it's purely because I don't want to forget um, what we've got on here. Um, oh, do, do, okay. Right, so. The quarterfinal matches are Ginny versus Viper, yeah. Aisha Raymond versus Sierra Loxton, Session Moth Martina versus Jetta, and Dahlia Black versus Jamie Hayter. Yeah. And then we'll have the, whoever goes through for that will take part then in the semi-final uh, matches during the during the day. And then the in the main show, the main event for that match will be the final of the Maiden of Chaos. So, uh, they, so they got to get a, a title at the end of it all. Yes, yeah, I've got the the belt was delivered actually this week. We put a, a teaser poster out on our, a teaser picture on our social media of a of a cryptic bag. Yeah. Um, but uh, behind it is is a very nice new belt which we're very proud of. It's a unique design, um, and we will be uh, unveiling that on the twenty eighth of October. So a show too that starts at seven. You've always, so you've said you've got the final of the. Yeah. Chaos, and then Pete Dunne and Keith Lee. Are they against each other, or are they going to be? No. no. So we've got uh, Pete Dunne is going against uh, Dick Riley. So for anyone who doesn't know Dick Riley, he was a former member of the Magnum's tag team with Chris Walker, um, who split up at the start of the year. Dick Riley, for me, currently is one of the unsung heroes of British wrestling. Hmm. Um, he has been having some outstanding matches uh, for us at Pro Wrestling Chaos, and. He is really somebody like I feel is at the stage where Mike Bird was when we started going back a few years ago, and Mike's now obviously more of a household name than he was a few years ago. And I and I really feel like someone like Dick Riley could be wrestling for the likes of ICW Ref Pro Progress within a couple of years, if not sooner. I genuinely think he's that good. Um, he wrestled Mike Bailey, as uh, people Mike Bailey, at our show last month and yeah. got a match the night performance, and he's taking on you know the United Kingdom champion WWE United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne um, on the 28th which potentially is going to be his biggest match today and a match I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, I, I, I've only seen a couple of matches of Mike Bailey but I love him I don't, I don't, Mike, I've never, I've never Mike, heard of him before yeah he's absolutely fantastic he's um yeah uh, can't see enough nice things about Mike Bailey it's uh, the first time we met him when he was at the show but such, such a nice guy and his kicks are uh, yeah, they they are um, they're something else. They really are. So uh, yeah, I, I, anybody that wants to check out uh, Mike Bailey versus uh, Dick Riley, uh, you can see it all on prowrestlingchaos dot com forward slash on demand. That's yeah. a cheap plug. <laughs> it's three ninety nine a month. Three ninety nine a month. That's right. Some <laughs> pounds, not dollars. <laughs> 
Right, so who's Keith Lee against? Uh, um, we're not at liberty to say just yet. Ooh. We have got a match planned. Uh, we should be due to announce that in a couple of days. Ooh, um, so we're trying to keep our cards quite close to our chest in terms of some of the matches for the evening show. The only reason for that is uh, we're really fortunate in the fact that the evening show is already sold out, mm-hmm. um, which is a nice position for us to be in. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing I can say about the, the evening show is that um, all the women that have been involved in the day show will still be involved in the evening. So we'll have the final, but we're also going to have a six-woman um, six, six match. So yeah. everyone that was involved in the day will still be involved in, a, in that multi, multi-person multi match in the evening. Um, the other match we have already announced is uh, our King of Chaos, Eddie Dennis, uh, going against Eddie Ryan. Yeah. Um, as well so the card is looking fairly stacked obviously we've still got um, Keith Lee's match to announce and uh, there's also some more well there's bound to be some other things I'm not going to go into uh, right now but uh, trust me Haddam Community Centre is a very special venue for us it's not our largest venue but it's one that probably, probably creates the, the best atmosphere for us so this is the first time we've tried to do a double show yeah. and we are only about 30 tickets off selling out the day show, which has really exceeded our expectations. So we are really happy with how this has gone, and we really hope it's something we'll be able to do again in the future. So it will be a, a six-man, well, six-woman tag, or a six-pack challenge, or uh, be a six-woman six tag. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, we can't announce who's in it because it depends what happens in the tournament during the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be any combination of the eight women we've mentioned. Um, uh, so six of those will be in the in the, in the tag match, and then yeah, the, the the other two will be uh, in the final, and one of those women will become our first ever maiden of chaos. Well, so, go, so going forward, what are the goals for chaos? So in the short term, you've got a show in November with Mark Skirl and Matt Riddle. Yes. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it's um, we've been trying very, very, very hard to get into a special venue in Bristol called the Colston Hall. Yeah. Um, so for anyone not familiar, Colston Hall is used to be part of the water sports circuit. It was run by All Star Wrestling for years. Um, after a refurb, they decided they didn't want to have wrestling as part of their program going back a few years ago. And it is due to actually get um, completely redone and, and renamed um, next year. And we've been pushing very hard for us to try to get into that venue. Um, we realise it'll be a risk because the place holds about 2,000 people, but it's a venue which is really close to my heart. It's somewhere. I used to watch a lot of wrestling when I was growing up, and uh, I've got a lot of memories of that of, of that venue. And anyone that watched wrestling in the sort of 80s and, and early 90s will will generally say the same sort of things about it. Unfortunately, they're just not interested in having wrestling as, as part of their program. Um, we, we hope they change their mind because it's something that we really want to be part of. Um, in terms of our, our other goals, generally speaking, um, we're quite happy with what we're doing at the minute in terms yeah. of. We're building good stories with, with what we're doing. We're happy with the venues that we've got. We've got a good working relationship with the other promotions around the, the Bristol area, and we're not looking to try to step on anyone's toes. We're just trying to focus on what it is that, that, that we're doing. We always said that, um, as I mentioned earlier, we don't want to travel outside of Bristol. We want to be, what I've always said, is like a magnet promotion. If you want to see us, we're not hard to find. Mm. Bristol's not that difficult to get to from the M4 or the M5. Um, so... We, we're, try, we're hoping that we're putting on cards where we're building stories which will make people want to come and see us. Um, so, yeah, that's always been our mantra. And it's every year has been getting bigger and bigger in terms of our houses, in terms of the speed of the tickets being sold. As long as we continue with that momentum, we're happy with that at the minute. Um, if we could get to the Colston Hall, that would be that would be the icing on the cake of what's been a, a very good couple of years for us. 
Yeah, I had to do a double check on the poster because I thought I look. I was looking at the website and thought that Ollie Davis from Wrestle Talk, and then I had to look as close to inspect and it was Eddie Dennis. So I was like, what? <laughs> Yes, no, it's, it, it is the pride of Wales, Eddie Dennis. So, guaranteed, it's <laughs> Wales champion. Right, so, in, in January, in January, you've got a show which got the Rick and Morty <laughs> poster. Yes, yes. And it says you got your first ever interdimensional mystery portal match. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> I, I think it's fairly self-explanatory. Uh, we're working on going getting a portal gun, and yeah. um, we will see what happens. I mean, we, we've actually um, we've got a show that we run every year called Total Chaos, which won't yeah. announce anything. Um, that match may have similar lines to that, so don't expect anything to be announced about that match. Okay. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, Jim uh, Jim at uh, Turning Face, who also runs Right Duck um, Graphics, uh, so Jim Maltman, who do, who's our photographer, but also does all of our graphics. Um, I just mentioned in passing if you watch Rick and Morty and if you'd be able to do a poster. Yeah. And with, within a couple of days, he, he managed to produce that. And it's my favourite wrestling poster I think I've ever seen. That's a, it's a very, it's very, really good. The, the, the three of us are massive wrestling, well, obviously massive wrestling fans, but massive Rick and Morty fans. We, we appreciate it. It's a fairly niche taste to find somebody that likes both. Yeah. Um, but for those that do, they, you know, they, the, 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 um, the feedback we've had on the poster has been, been, been very positive so it's it's in a new venue for us um at the uh, king's oak academy in the hexagon theater which holds around 300 people um it's it's a lovely little venue it's something that we're really looking forward to and based on the poster alone and some of the ideas we're talking about trust me we're gonna have a lot of fun with that show <laughs> right, so, um, i listened to an interview you did about two years ago and you mentioned uh. that for British wrestling to grow, you'd either have the, the companies would either have to start working together, or one company would have to take a risk. So, in the last two years, have you seen companies being more willing to work together? I think there's certain companies. I think what's the best way to put this? I think it's more companies aren't necessarily. You're not seeing co-branded shows anywhere. No. But I certainly think there's more understanding between promotions now than there was a couple of years ago. Uh, Obviously, the the obvious one is that the WWE's got partnerships with a couple of them. Mm. So, uh, you know, nat- nat- naturally, that that alone, compared to where we were a couple of years ago, is is a huge step forward. And and obviously, those companies will have to work together in some respects because they're they're working with a huge business partner, um, which happens to be the biggest wrestling company in the UK. Oh, sorry, in the world. Sorry, mm. in the UK. Um, in terms of what we do, um, we have a working relationship with the likes of uh, Dragon Pro Wrestling, as I mentioned earlier, and Attack Pro Wrestling. And it's not that we co-brand shows or do anything on those lines, but we help each other out. Um, if there's things that we can do helping some of the guys' production out on the shows, we, we're more than happy to, to do that for them. Um, if there's business-related questions that, that we've had on either side, whether that be, you know, for example, how do you sort a, a visa for, a, for an international talent? Or, mm. or especially now when, um, when, so for example, Attack are running a show the day after us in Bristol, which is also sold out. So it's actually worked out really well for us because a lot of the guys, we use several of the guys who are on part of the same show. So we can arrange, rather than having to travel back and forth twice, we can talk with them, sort out accommodation. So it actually saves us both money. Yeah. Um, I think it's things like that where you'll find that we're working closer together and there's a, a lot of promotion uh, promoters will talk with each other, which we don't necessarily see um, on a public level. But you know, I'll be chatting to promoters on a daily basis about a range of different things, and that's all based on the strength of 
keeping your business relationships tight and sticking to your promises and having good reputations. And there's a lot of very good companies out there that, that do all that. They have very good reputations um, and are willing to work with each other, whether that be flight splits on international talent, um, whether that be sharing of, of advice, stupid things like I'm part of private groups when somebody doesn't know where to source tables from, example, yeah. <laughs> for example, and somebody else will pipe up with a, you know, you can get the best deal here or, or where to get the best public liability insurance. Everyone's trying to help each other now, trying to run their, their businesses, their, their own businesses better, but we're helping each other as a community, I feel, now so we can all run better, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So. Um- and one company that is actually taking a risk is in progress of announced the Wembley show next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a risk, but I think for it's actually really funny. I was um, I was speaking to John ages ago. I think um, I, I bumped into John. Um, it was actually the, the only time I met him face to face. I spoke to him loads online, but the only time I spoke to him, uh, met him face to face was just after NXT ran uh, at, at Wembley. Yeah, and I saw I, we were both walking down the tree, but I had like two minutes with him. And um, I messaged him the next day and said, um, how long before you run their winky face? And that was going <laughs> back, what, two and a half years ago. Yeah. And, you know, he completely dismissed the whole thing. And then the day after that was announced, I just sent him a screenshot of that conversation and just remembered that, you know, if any company's able to do it, as far as calculated risk goes, it's it's going to be progress. They are, for my money, the biggest the biggest indie company in the, in, in the world. Yeah. In terms of, if you think about their reach, the, the markets, the, the fact that they are an international company now. And... If they're able to sell out somewhere like the Ali Pali in advance, doing Wembley, I don't think it's as unachievable as it would have seemed a couple of years ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they don't least sell it out, they get an incredibly respectable number there. Um, and they've earned that right because they've built themselves a very strong brand, mm. which people are willing to travel, not just from the UK, but all around the world to go see. And um, I wish them all the luck in the world because they, they, they've They've taken their time out to help me out when they didn't have to, and that's part of the community that I'm talking about with British wrestling. So it's a risk, but it's certainly a it's a calculated risk and, and one that I think is going to pay off for them. What did you think of the um, Five Star Wrestling getting the free sport deal over Preston City Wrestling? Oh, okay. So um, I've got a relationship with with PCW with, with Stephen Flood. I speak to him a fair bit. Hmm. Um, it's obviously something's happened with regards to that deal. Um, do I think it's the best thing for British wrestling? Possibly not, um, because based on the kind of cards that I've seen that Five Star put on, it's not necessarily British wrestling. But again, at the same time, I don't know if they've ever tried to make out that they're trying to do what's best for British wrestling. They're trying to do what's best for Five Star to create a, a company which I assume they hope they can make money for themselves. Um, obviously, based on the um, social media backlash that I've seen from that decision, mm. whether depending on what the audience is going to be, that may be a calculated risk for free sports. Um, and I'm trying to be as politically correct as I can be when answering this question, because um, I'm trying not to uh, to annoy anyone. But from my perspective, I feel that it would have been it would have been nicer, I feel, for, to see a company like Preston City Wrestling, sorry, PCW, get that, because they do use a lot of British talent, and they have built a lot of British talent over the years. Um, I appreciate that they're not everybody's cup of tea, but they've always done right by me. And... Mm. Um, their production values in terms of producing shows, they they were TV ready. And um, I know that they've now got a deal with Power Bombs. They're still able to put, put out um, live pay-per-views in terms of what they're able to do. And knowing, knowing someone like Stephen Flutter, it's going to be a minor annoyance for him, but he's a very smart businessman and there'll be other opportunities for somebody like him to, to get on television. So um, 
yeah, best of luck to Five Star. It's certainly an ambitious plan that they're putting together. One that, that, that you know, may, may pay off, may not. Um, but you know, the old, the old adage of time will tell. And I will be watching as a fan, like everybody else, to see what happens um, happens with that with that deal going forward. Is it a testament to British wrestling that you don't have to import um, ex-WWE TNA wrestlers, put them on your posters to get people to come to? You can actually put a Pete Dunne or a, a British-made guy. Oh, yeah, uh, a- absolutely. Absolutely is a, a massive testament to British wrestling. I, I, I would, I, you know, I'll hold my hands up and say 10 years ago, I think you could count one hand the number of British wrestling draws in terms of people you could go out and say if you put a Brit- British restaurant on a card that, that person will just by name value will generate more people yeah. and that's not to say that the quality of the wrestling wasn't there it's just that there wasn't that perception of, 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 of that person's must see that number is, has grown to 50, 60, 70 people now um, in terms of the churn that you can do uh, in terms of getting individuals the, there's loads of people that we haven't used ourselves yet that we know from a British wrestling standpoint if we put them on a card um, it's going to help our draw now. Mm. Um, that was madness 10 years ago. Like 15, 10, 15 years ago when I was getting into the business, um, the only thing that was the draw was, was the word wrestling on the poster. And then occasionally if you happen to have an ex-WWE guy. Um, the one thing that, that, that we found recently is because for, for, our, for our bigger Legend Center shows in the past, we, we've used ex-WWE guys to help us with the draw. Yeah. Um, now, when we had Paul London on our last show, the last big, big um, Legend Center show we did, um, nothing at all against Paul London. He's a lovely, lovely guy. And I, I, I love the guy. But the more people were talking about the other matches than they were about the stuff that Paul did. And that's not, that's not saying that Paul phoned it in or anything on those lines. But it's because British wrestling is now starting to get that much of a buzz that British wrestling itself is the draw and the individuals you can put with it help add more spice to it. Um, obviously, I don't know I'm being a bit hypocritical because we talked about how I got Keith Lee on the show next month, or this month, sorry, on the 28th. Mm. Um, but obviously, realistically, from a business standpoint, the likes of Keith Lee are nowhere near as expensive as the likes of your ex-WWE guys. And Keith Lee is a phenomenal talent in his own right and somebody who's on the rise. And um, I'm going to start jabbing now to try to talk myself out of this cold debate. <laughs> but really what I should be saying is, and what I do believe, is that British wrestling in its own right now is the hottest I've ever known it. Um, and long may it continue. There are a lot of very good guys out there that are finally starting to make a full-time living out of this, and I couldn't be happier for them. There's a lot of guys making a lot of money, a lot more money than I'm making, and, and, and I'm thrilled for them. Because I've seen guys that, that I've known for, for years toiling away, just, just working hard, and, hmm. and that was paying dividends, and I couldn't be happier for them. It's the, first, well, the first show I went to, the whole thing was based around Come See Gangrel. And he was in a tag, t- I think it was in a six-man tag, and he barely got in the ring. It was, I think yeah. it, was, it was Gangel, Nathan Cruz, and oh, Zach Gibson versus Dean Mark, James Mason, and somebody else, I can't remember the other. But he barely got in the ring. So was, Honestly, the rest of that card sounds great. The rest of that match sounded great, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> but the whole poster was built around Come See Gangrel. It, 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 I, I think that happens a lot. I mean... Um, ICW were the first ones that started to do the whole uh, thing where they, they, they bring in a, an import, but they, they bring them in more as an advert for their product. Yeah. And they would... So most of the times when we use an import, we, um, we're we using it to enhance our talent. And I'm not to say that talent enhancement is obviously not necessarily the best the best um, 
turn of phrase, but what I'm, what I'm saying is normally when we brought in uh, brought in somebody internationally, we're doing it to try to help build our guys. We're not putting them in throwaway tag matches. Um, if you think about something like Wild Boar, when he was our champion, um, we brought in Hardcore Holly and he beat Hardcore Holly. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, and it, a great example, um, and it's not the same level, but uh, when we brought in uh, Chris Hero, um, had one of the best matches we've ever seen at Chaos um, against Eddie Dennis. So much so that the crowd, he, without him even saying it, he booked his own return because the crowd were basically saying one more match before the match, before he <laughs> even left the ring. Um, and, and going back to what I saying about stories, it's giving you a reason to come back. I knew that night, even though we hadn't booked anything else, if we ever book Chris Hero again, just based on that one night and that story of the fact that can can Eddie beat him again? Can, does Chris? How will Chris Hero get his get his revenge on that match? That itself, in that little bubble, was enough to then do that match over, but sell another hundred tickets. Yeah, Brilliant. because of, because of the strength of what, what we're able to do with it. So we go back just go quickly back to the TV. Um, do you feel that a TV deal is needed these days to get British wrestling to carry on growing, or do you think the other avenues is, like, like your online demands? Yeah, te- I don't think television is as important as it was in the 90s or in the early 2000s because there's so many other ways that people consume media now. Um, I'm sure there's lots of companies out there that if they wanted a TV deal, if they really wanted a TV deal, could probably get one. Hmm. I mean, well, ICW, ironically, yeah, they, they've got 30, 30 countries that they currently run TV for internationally. So they, they do do it, it's just that they choose not to in the UK because they've already got their on demand. People are people are able to generate revenue through so many other streams now that, that on-demand has become more of an easily accessible thing for people to do and the way that people choose to absorb their content. Um, the, there are a couple of companies I've seen that have got TV you know, uh, resting on some of the more obscure Sky channels on, on, uh, on there. Uh, we have um, new, new Next Gen on um, the Liverpool channel. Oh, yes, yeah, so there's NGW. I think they're kind of an exception because they've got... Um, They've managed to get a deal with all of those, so we've gone down here and made it Bristol as well. So the um, I can't remember the name of the group, but they're basically in every household group everywhere. So it's almost like a national free TV deal that they've got. And the way that NGW works, because um, they've now got the Butlins deals now as well, haven't they? So they they're they're, they're fairly busy boys. I think that that TV deal is probably one of the better ones. Um, there are some if you really go through them at sort of one or two o'clock in the morning. There's some up there. There are some other ones out there that. I'm not sure how much that helps a product. Yeah. Um, if you look at Progress at the minute, they've got a very, very strong on-demand subscription channel. They're selling out every single show that they do, depending on what kind of deal it is that they're going to get for their TV. If it's going to be more than what they're going to lose by potentially people no longer doing the on-demand because they watch on television or don't come to shows, is it worth the gamble when you've got a guaranteed income stream through other areas? I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the ins and outs of their business model, but I'm seeing a lot of bigger companies right now that aren't necessarily having TV products and are thriving. Yeah. So I don't think having TV is as important as it would have been. And I'm sure if any company really wants TV, they could get it, and they're choosing not to for a reason. I know that we're not TV ready. I know we don't do enough of a product out there. We don't run enough shows for us to be able to put on a regular TV show. Um, and it's not something that, that I personally consider to go down. There's other companies that are geared up to do it, but they're choosing not to for whatever reason. Right, so, um, one last question. Um, so it, there's still talk of um, WWE, a WWE-based TV show. Um, 
how do, what's the feeling of, about UK promoters with WWE basically invading British wrestling? Type of thing? I think I saw um, I saw a tweet from Joe Coffey. Yeah. Uh, going back, going back um, to the first Hydro show they had last year, because there was some controversy around WWE using the Hydro the week before the ICW did, and I think it was something like, if uh, if McDonald's wants to move next door to your sandwich shop, McDonald's are going to move next door to your sandwich shop, or, or something to that effect. WWE are the biggest biggest show in town. Hmm. They're going to do whatever they want to do, um, and that's their prerogative. Um, for me it's not necessarily a bad thing because WWE for a lot of people is a way that a lot of people get into wrestling. Um, it's the most easily accessible product out there. It's the way that you cultivate and generate wrestling fans from a, from a young age. Um, it's probably not, not the best example, but if you think about it, I, I had somebody years ago make out that say, um, take a band like Dusted who are designed for, for kids, but they can get those kids involved into potentially guitar music, which then means that they might like a different range of music at an earlier age because they start to look into other avenues and other things around that music tournament. WWE aren't the be-all and end-all of wrestling, but they are the biggest show in town and they are a way that they can generate the most amount of fans. Now, if that means they put start putting on UK rest, uh, they start putting on shows across the UK, they're not going to be able to, unless they decide to do it in one place every single time, my, my, I would assume or hope that they would try to take that everywhere and potentially yeah. they could do a show in Bristol for example and that might hurt us one month if we tried to did a show the same month because people would choose to go to the WWE show than us but that tells me that there's potentially thousands of people that we're not marketing to so that tells me that there's an audience around there that I know that we can still tap into so I'd see that as an opportunity rather than a negative oh, okay. uh, so I think people shouldn't be afraid of them I mean obviously they're going to do what they want to do and I think from any sort of business you, you either if you don't treat it as an opportunity and look at it how you can um, get get something from that then uh, you, you're just being negative I, uh, someone always tells don't, don't, don't focus on what other people are doing focus on you the more time you focus on anything anyone else is doing is, is, is time wasted on what you can be doing to build your own brand and your own product so if WWE come into town more power to them that means I know that there's a lot more fans I can get to Right, so before we go, do you want to promote your social media and your website? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so you will be able to find um, our Facebook page is Pro Wrestling Chaos. Our Instagram page is Pro Wrestling Chaos. Um, our Twitter is at Chaos underscore Wrestling because somebody already got Pro Wrestling Chaos on that. <laughs> uh, you can find, you can see every single one of our shows from June th- from June 2013 to now on our on-demand channel which you can find on our website, prowrestlingchaos.com forward slash on demand. You can get that for three ninety nine a month. It works on any device. It also works on PlayStations, which I know is a uh, advantage um, over something like Pivot Share. So we don't use Pivot Share. It's all produced by your fine site. Yeah. Also for that three ninety nine, you don't just get our shows. You will also get all of SWA, Shropshire Wrestling Alliance's shows, Ultimate Pro Wrestling shows. Uh, there's also Triple X's back catalogue, and we've just started to add Wrestle Midland shows. So there's well over 100 hours of content on there. Plus, we've got uh, not just our shows, we've also got interviews with ex-WWE guys, so guys like Bob Hollies we've got a shoot interview with. There's one with Chris Hero on there. Uh, we've done one with Paul London. We've got one with Tommy Dreamer there. Plus, there's some special documentaries and stuff. So it's not if you want to see some more behind-the-scenes stuff, We've added that as well. I think that's probably about as much hard selling as I'm going to do on the on-demand. So yeah, check it out, 3 99 a month. 
All the, all the links will be in the description below this interview. Ah, so. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the links on your phone. Do that. That's, I've really enjoyed speaking today. Um, good luck with the Coalition of Chaos show. Sounds amazing. I wish I could live near, nearer to Bristol. <laughs> well, that's right. I'm sure you better check it out on demand. I may have mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> 3.99 a month. Yeah, 3.99. Exactly. <laughs> right, so thanks for joining me. I'd love to have you on again in the future. So. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for having me.